Hi, I'm Ian, co-founder at Dig Insights and president of Dig's innovation insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation. Welcome to this week's episode of Dig In. Uh, this week, we're talking to Mark Baltazar. Mark is co-founder of Peak Multifamily. It's a private real estate investment firm. And actually, I've known Mark for over 20 years. So it's really interesting to see him uh, you know, move into this really interesting new venture. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Great to uh, reconnect again. We're talking about yeah how long it's been and <laughs> how quickly time you know time flies, and it definitely has. I love seeing people that I've known for a long time make really smart business moves. This seems really smart to me. I think it's great. You're taking advantage of a hot real estate market, but you're also doing a lot of smart things in the way that you're setting up the business. Do you want to talk a little bit about Peak Multifamily, what it is, what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, I mean, I guess uh, just by way of background, I, I kind of dabbled in, in real estate investing probably late 2015, uh, late 2015, and then kind of made some purchases in 2016 with a bunch of different strategies. Um, and uh, just realized I needed to add some, you know, some real assets to just kind of my portfolio for the future and, and such kind of beyond, you know, RSPs and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, over over a few years, kind of learned a little bit more about commercial multifamily, um, and that, that's essentially you know apartment buildings and rental apartment buildings. And um, you know what I learned kind of through that research and work is that it's it's a it's a fairly safe strat. It's a fairly it's one of the safest real estate um, uh, asset classes, partly because you know in Canada and specifically Ontario, you know there's a shortage of housing. Um, and there's high demand for housing and, and housing, you know, to buy, as we all know right now, is, is somewhat unaffordable. And so, and there's still immigration and populations growing and all those things. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of stability in an asset class that has, you know, low supply and, and high demand. And I think kind of for the foreseeable future, we'll continue with those dynamics. So yeah, what Pete Multifamily does is we, we acquire um, older apartment buildings um, you know, you can think of it as, you know, your audience is kind of business savvy. It's almost like taking, taking over, you know, a business that's, that's performing poorly, perhaps not optimized. And, you know, we're instilling some processes, better management and, and turning it around financially. Amazing. And so how does somebody invest in, in peak? So how, how, how are you, like, how do you capitalize the business for buying these, these apartment buildings? Yeah, yeah. So good question. So some of the buildings I'm, I'm, you know, buying with myself and my partner. We do, we do, we've refinanced other properties to kind of get into these buildings, and and some uh, some assets we are partnering partnering with accredited investors. Um, you know, accredited uh, investors, you know, have access to these types of th- types of projects, and so someone would, you know, uh, put in put in their capital and and have a share of of the asset. Um, again, hands-free. I mean, typically the people that we're working with, and again, it, it, part of, you know, my network from my my previous uh, previous career is busy professionals, right? So people that have you know full-time professional careers and don't want to um, don't want to sway from that. Very happy with what they're doing. Um, 
but always had, you know, the idea or perhaps an intent or a thought to, to own real estate. And so they can own real estate in this way without having to deal with like tenants or toilets and all that kind of stuff, right? It's kind of the, the, I guess the, uh, I want to say the dark side or the dirtier side of, of rental ownership is you got to, you have to operate. And so that's what my firm does. We operate, you know, the asset on behalf of, you know, uh, investor partners and uh, essentially our investor partners are, are in hands-free and generate a return kind of without, uh, without, without doing any work really. Very cool. Can we talk a little bit about, so you say you'll, you'll buy sort of like a, an under, an underperforming asset, which is this, which is an apartment building. And, and then you'd say you, you're optimizing it. So what are some of the strategies that you're using to optimize these, these, these apartment buildings? So the biggest thing, so it's all, I mean, from a valuation standpoint, um, the beauty, so I'll be able to talk about that and kind of why I got into the commercial real estate versus residential. Mm-hmm. So residential, as, as you know, and, and many of your listeners may know, like the price of, let's say your primary home is based on your neighbors essentially, right? Like what your neighbors are selling for. And, and right now in Ontario, we're in a super hot market, right? So if you, you know, you own any real estate and primary real estate, residential, it's going up, right? But it's not always like that. And um, it fluctuates, but it's dependent upon what's happening kind of in your surroundings. So, you, you know, you have a little less control, whereas commercial, uh, just like operating a business, its value is based on how it performs financially, um, and so, you know, one of the key indicators for commercial real estate is net operating income, right? So uh, gross revenue minus uh, operating expenses. And so what we look to do is to grow net operating income because the, you know, the more our NOI grows, the higher the valuation is for that asset. And so the, the big, the big thing is, is growing, growing revenue. Um, and in a business like this, it's rents. Um, so, you know, we're purchasing apartment buildings that, uh, have rental income that's lower than what it should be. Um, and again, they're, you know, we're buying it off. A lot of times it's uh, non-professional management, like mom and pop owners that have had in the family for, you know, 20 years and just, you know, it's done well for them, but they just, they're not running it like a business anymore. And so there creates this kind of, you know, profitability uh, opportunity that we're able to, you know, take advantage of. And so, you know, we're buying these things that have, low net operating income. And then we're, you know, uh, renovating, um, renovating these, these, these individual units or one bedrooms or two bedroom properties or uh, units within these apartment buildings. And with that, we're able to uh, attract a uh, typically a a higher paying uh, tenant. Um, And and with that kind of grows, grows the bottom line, essentially. And with the bottom line growing, you know, the valuation of the, the asset grows. Um, that, that's probably the major way, um, you know, in some of these things, uh, these are, these are typically older buildings. So, you know, 40 to 60 year old buildings. So there's typically um, expense um, optimization opportunities. So electrical or windows, or again, if we can minimize operating expenses, that also helps the bottom line as well. So, but, but the main thing is, is growing rents. Great. So, I mean, this is a big change for you. You were in insights for a really long time. And you said you were kind of doing this almost like as a side hustle. And then you realized, no, this is what I really like to do. This is, and there's a lot of opportunity here. And then you started peak. Talk to me a little bit about that experience of making that choice to like really go it on your own and, and obviously take a big financial risk and, and how that's played out uh, since you started it. 
Yeah. So, I mean, again, yeah, for the first, uh, so peak was started in 2018, um, with kind of the first, uh, commercial property acquisition. I had some, you know, other, other assets before that, some duplexes, a fourplex. Um, and you know, again, it was, it was more of just a side thing. And then what had happened is at that time, um, I think, you know, people in my network started saying, Oh, wow, you're kind of doing that. Can I, you know, yeah, I have some, have some capital kind of put aside, not doing anything. Do you, do you need money to, you know, uh, for your, for your projects? And it was a concept I'd never really considered until uh, I was being approached by others um, that had, you know, stagnant capital sitting around, not really generating anything. So, so the concept of um, using other people's capital to help them generate a return, but also kind of fund the business was, was an interesting kind of idea. Um, and I think because of, you know, my experience in, you know, brand research and, you know, being around marketers uh, a lot, uh, just, just as, as you and your firm are, you, you kind of pick up on, you know, marketing techniques and expertise. And so I was able to leverage kind of brand building and, and marketing to, to help um, at least build some awareness of what I was doing a little bit more. Um, and that was able to, um, again, attract, you know, attract uh, people to the business and, and accredited investors to, to the business um, as well, which helped, you know, which helped, um, which helped build that out. Um, I, I mean, I think th the big thing was having a little more control of, of generational wealth was the, was the big kind of, um, was the, was the impetus for me. Uh, I think, you know, you know, coming from a smaller firm, you know, um, there's uncertainties in building a business. Right. And I think at that time was like, okay, I think real estate, I need, I need some real estate in the portfolio. And then, uh, and the intent was really not to start a business, but I think things started going well and started getting traction and thought, okay, you know what? I think this, this is a viable, viable, um, you know, uh, path for me. Um, I think the first, you know, early on, like any business, I think, you know, there, you got to establish a track record. So, you know, why would someone want to partner with someone that's starting out, right? So it took it took a few projects. It took it took some um, you know success stories to start building some traction. I think we're we're on our way there now, um, but I think like anything else, you have to kind of prove yourself and build a track record, and then and then from there, it's you know just continue to to manage upward. I mean, I love talking to entrepreneurs, and I love the you know the sort of their origin stories and the things that happens at the beginning. And there's always something that you weren't ready for, not always, but often something kind of surprises you and you're like, I never saw that coming. So did anything, anything like that crop up for you? Like, you know, obviously COVID, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you started in 2018, right? Yeah. So COVID, COVID was, uh, yeah, you know what COVID. So I think a lot of, uh, people in this business are, um, you know, rental housing providers. Um, many of us were holding our breaths kind of, you know, leading up to April 1st, 2020, because that was really the first day um, or first rent collection period into COVID. And the thought was, okay, well, this could either, you know, not have an impact or have a significant impact. And I think the thought was, this is probably going to have a fairly significant impact. And, you know, let's kind of brace ourselves for uh, financial, uh, financial issues. Um, so April 1st came, April 2nd came, and people were paying their rents. And I was like, holy smokes, wow, this, this, this is, you know, is this is an anomaly. Let's, let's wait till now, May 1st. And then June 1st, the learning for me, um, what, and no one, obviously no one had gone through this, anything like this before. 
Um, but the the reason why I got into commercial multifamily in the first place is because it's it's, sta- it's it's stable. It's fairly stable. It's probably one of the more stable asset classes in real estate relative to office and industrial and, re- and retail. Obviously, you know, took a little bit of a uh, or a big hit actually. Um, and um, it's multifamily or commercial multifamily as you know, its reputation was that it's very stable in times like this. And, and it, and it was proven again that yes, it, in fact, during, during, you know, during upswings, as well as kind of down, downswings in the economy, it's, it's fairly stable because again, it's providing a primary need. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so many were worried about kind of COVID, but in the end, in fact, it's, uh, you know, we were fairly, we were fairly uh, stable. In fact, in fact, we grew the most. We acquired the most during that time. Um, we're f- very active from an acquisition acquisition standpoint, and rents actually, so income actually grew significantly during that time as well. Yeah, imagine if you'd gotten into uh, commercial real estate at that point. If you'd gotten into office spaces or something, yeah, you would have just lost yeah. your mind. But I'm sure there was a lot of stressful months there at the beginning, thinking, "Oh my God." Have yep. I just gambled everything on this and now what's going to happen? And that's the part that's always a surprise to people when they start their business is just you've lost yep. that safety net yes. completely and it's Absolutely. all on you now. So I'm so happy yeah. that it worked out well for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things about taking on investors is that those investors expect not just a, a, a return on paper, but they often expect like a real exit or not, you know, a real return at some point of their capital. So how do you manage that? Like, how do you, what's the exit for investors in, in peak? Yeah. So, I mean, these are, these are longer term, you know, longer term projects. So these are kind of five to seven year, um, you know, projects or commitments. And, and so there's a, there's a few kind of points of act, uh, exit or even return of capital. So the way, again, the way we're buying these assets, these are underperforming. So, uh, fairly quickly, quickly being within 12 to 18 months, we're, you know, we're almost completely turned around. So we're refinancing um, at higher valuation. So we're able to pull out capital capital based on equity and, and our investors participate in, in a return of capital um, fairly early on. Uh, but the exit is typically a sale. So a sale of the asset um, in a, in a five to seven year period. And then that's how they would, again, um, get their, you know, principal investment back, um, and their, and their, and their profit. That's interesting. That's almost like a fund in a, in a private equity world, like where it's a five to seven, but you're yeah. actually returning some cash earlier, uh, if you recapitalize the, the property. So that's actually a great way to invest. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, if we can, if we can lift the value significantly enough within the first 12 to 18 and, and that refinance allows for that. So, you know, some projects, uh, provide a return of capital, you know, that are greater than others. Again, it depends on how how poorly operating it was in the beginning, and um, and what we can do from a turnaround perspective. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, so you know, by way of example, if someone came in with two hundred thousand, and you know, in most cases, we're giving back anywhere from twenty to forty fairly early on. So you're not into the deal um, as much as you started with. Amazing. So you're, I mean, it's a couple of years in now, and I guess the size of your projects have grown uh, as you've gone and you've, you've acquired more and more throughout COVID, which was actually a really smart way for you to, to take advantage of, you know, probably a fairly tumultuous real estate market at the time. Although 
values seem to increase throughout uh, throughout COVID as well, but uh, there was some troughs, I suppose. And then, uh, so what's next? What's what's on the horizon? Like, how are you, how do you see expanding this business? Are you expanding it geographically? Are you expanding it in terms of size of of the multifamily units? What, what, what's your strategy? Yeah, so so in the beginning we we're buying twelve unit buildings. Um, so now we're looking at things that are twenty to thirty. So so our our uh, what we're purchasing, our targets are a little bit larger. So, um, you know, we're looking for, you know, the six to $10 million uh, buildings versus kind of the, you know, the one and a half to $2 million buildings. Uh, and partly it just one, you know, we're, uh, our, our operational systems allow us to do that. Now we're a little better suited to take on bigger projects. Um, also, it just becomes more efficient to buy larger assets um, just operationally and financially kind of makes a little bit more sense uh, to buy larger things. Uh, we're so, so the Ontario market is, is very competitive. Like, you know, just, just as you know, in the residential market, as, as, as many of you, if your listeners may know, there's, there's you know, bidding wars on houses. Uh, similar things are happening even with apartment buildings, uh, believe it or not, you know, it's not uncommon to have, you know, five to 10 offers on apartment buildings. So it is, it is getting, you know, pushed up. So we're continuing to look in Ontario. Um, we will start looking at the U S I think at some point, just again, just for diversification, but also the, um, the dynamics of cash flow and the ability to generate cash flow uh, much sooner, um, you know, are, are things that we'll look at. Great. So if you were to take away your big learnings from, you know, from 2018 to where your business is now and how you're, how you're, you know, how you, how you started running the business and how you're running it now and, and what you've sort of, you know, more or less begun to think of as your, as your operating principles, what were some of the big learnings for you? What were the, and what were the hard learnings? Like, like, let's talk about like some things that, you know, I don't want to say like full on mistakes, but mm -hmm where you feel like you learned it the hard way and you kind of wish you'd known before you jumped. Yeah. I, I think uh, our first few deals, we, you know, I definitely wasn't as um, I guess aware or even educated as to the different financing and debt models, right. Of how things get. And so um, one of the key, I guess, principles or learning, um, you know, help, I help coach people as well in getting into their first deal. But the big thing is finance. If you can figure out creative financing solutions like debt solutions, you can make almost any deal work. So it becomes, you know, it, at first when you, a deal comes across your, your table, um, it might not look, you know, that great, but, you know, with some creative financing solutions um, and again, just continue to learn about different options um, that are out there. Uh, you can make almost any deal kind of work and kind of fit your economic model. So I think, you know, uh, for those starting out or for those even looking at this type of business is figuring out kind of what, what capital uh, products are available. Um, I think where we sit right now is there's a lot of capital available right now in the market, I, not just real estate, but I think in, in, in a lot of different industries, there's a lot of capital that needs to be placed. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, lenders and investors that are willing to uh, be very flexible in terms of terms. And so um, I wish I knew that early on, I would have made, I would have financed things a little bit differently. Um, but again, yeah, those are kind of, the, those are the growing, the growing pains of, of this type of business. And there's no, there's really no how to manual. 
I think, you know, you have to kind of just get into it and start doing deals. Um, and then you learn, you learn as you go. That's great, Mark. I'm so happy for you. It sounds like the business is going just amazingly. So uh, congratulations on all your success. If people want to learn more about Peak or reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, you know, peakmultifamily.ca is the website. You can go on there. There's a lot of info on there. Um, or, you know, happy to connect directly at uh, mark at peakmultifamily.ca. Thanks again for your time. Cool. Talk soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app.